0: Welcome to episode 572 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, July 8th. It's a fireside chat with Nick Pollock. I'm your host, Paul Smore. Nick, what's going on?
1: What is happening? I'm doing great because Nick Kingham did great today and that feels it's good.
0: about time. <laughs> I was so angry with Nick Kingham this week that uh, I had his earlier start on my head-to-head points team. Caught him. And, uh, had to bring him back this week because I needed, I needed one more start and it wasn't enough. But at least he did well. And actually, now I might, uh, I might keep him for the upcoming week, Nick Kingdom. It's we great. have talked a lot about him though. So if you want more, you can definitely find that on a previous pod as well as Nick recently writing him up. Um, uh, you've been, you've been very pro Nick Kingdom. I, this, the, we both have really but uh you know she shares your name so you get a little bit extra because it's like <laughs> you, you love the Knicks right we were talking about this right off of uh um offline before we started that the two knicks are like, be kind of putting our chips in on them and they've been disappointing us Pavetta as well
1: but like different types of disappointing not just like sure. oh, okay they're not doing well it's been the most frustrating starts to watch both of them
0: well and so. pavetta it's basically just like his former team is is, is killing him now his last start against pittsburgh in this particular series that kingdom just pitched in wasn't great either but if you really look at it pavetta's like really struggled against washington and then everything else is oh, kind right. of right. the ups and downs anyway it's this is not a nick yep, episode you're no. <laughs> doing an episode on the fantasy zombies now this is a term from the 06010 the uh, the fantasy focus podcast when nate rabbits and matthew Barry used to do it fantasy zombie Undead, right? You know, obviously, what's a zombie? So guys that have kind of emerged from... Uh, the fantasy graveyard to become assets in in many formats, uh, maybe not necessarily all formats, but uh, just about, you know, you can be using these guys in a lot of different leagues, whether you're streaming them or just kind of rostering them and and going with it. We're going to talk about Jordan Zimmerman, Anibal Sanchez and Ulysses Chassin and Chassin had some value last year, but it was really weird. It was that that devastating home road split despite similar skills and this year he's more balanced so I think you can uh, have more confidence so he doesn't perfectly fit it because he wasn't terrible last year like Zimmerman and Sanchez were but he still fits it because uh, I think there's more confidence you can actually use him uh, w- with a lot more trust this year than you could last year but we'll start in that in that order listed uh, with Jordan Zimmerman of the Detroit Tigers and of course you know when this deal was signed I didn't mind it uh, I've been a long-time Jordan Zimmerman fan. I loved what he did in Washington. Was always hoping for another level with the strikeouts because it was that kind of guy where I thought he could get them if he really chased strikeouts, but he didn't. Uh, that just was never Zimmerman's game. I, there was even a clip on Mass in, in the midst of his uh, you know peak where he talked about kind of going for the three and out, the the three pitches and out, and, and that was just a strategy that he went with. He was an innings eater. Um, I've actually kind of – Suggested that uh, Michael Fulmer or Jamison Tyon could be their the the peak Jordan Zimmerman of, of their current era. Like they 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 strike sure. me similarly. Uh, but he's he's found something, right? He threw 160 innings last year to give the numbers allowed the most earned runs in the league. And only threw 160 innings, by the way. <laughs> like you know, didn't even have some 200 inning season. 108 most earned runs in baseball. So he had a 6.08 ERA and the skills. Believed it. You know, they, they have 518 FIP. He had a, uh, you just for shorthand, 2.3 strikeout to walk ratio, which is pretty pedestrian because walks were fine, but there were no strikeouts. 1.6 homers, 11 and a half hits per nine. He loved 204 hits, man. Everything was terrible on and off the DL as well in the midst of those 160 innings for Jordan Zimmerman. Now this year at age 32, he's really recaptured. Uh, Some of what made him great, he's he's been kind of interesting this year. Now, it isn't just a throwback to when Jordan Zimmerman was great, though. He's doing a lot of things differently. His pitch mix is a lot different than anything we've ever seen, Nick. Uh, It's a decline in fastball. And an emergence of both breakers. The slider was actually good last year, but it's great again this year. And the curveball is really taking oh, off. So tell us a little bit about what Jordan Zimmerman's doing with this moving away from fastball and diving into his two excellent breakers this year.
1: Right. So you could look at it on the shallow level of that 608 ERA last year with a 351 this season and also a massive 50 point drop in whip from 155 to 105. And, of course, you have a 10-point jump in K-rate from 14.5% to 24.8%. Walk rate is down about 2 points as well, down to about 4.5% as well. And the quickly, you'll say, okay, fastballs are down 54% last year, 45.5% this year, while his slider has gone about 10 points, 24% to about 35%. But there's more to it than this. Uh This is the fun stuff because... His first five starts of the year, I mean, we're only talking about Jordan Zimmerman now. We haven't been talking about the entire year, and that's because his first five starts were 7.91 ERA with a 1.71 whip.
0: Yeah, it was same, you know, no reason it to was, believe right. that is, it was time to get back on, on board exactly. at all. He was horrific.
1: But if you look at the last six starts, it's a 1.22 ERA with a .7 whip. And even more so than that, the most intriguing thing to me is uh, so across this entire thing is curveball rates have been about the same. About fifteen percent, even in those last six starts across the entire season, it's the same fifteen percent. Last year was fifteen point six. You're not really going to think that the curveball is doing much of anything. However, the last two starts, and this includes includes the eight innings pitch, eleven strikeout game uh, on Friday night against the tight, uh, not the Tigers, the other uh, Rangers. He that threw nice, twenty. He threw twenty four percent curveballs, and the one before that, twenty three point seven percent curveballs. So I actually looked into it a bit. His curveball was so good. In fact, he threw twenty-three of them in that game, and seventeen had had well induced strikes that weren't in play. So that's uh thirteen uh I believe it was thirteen CSW that is call, strike, called strikes called strike lifts, plus lift. Yep. and then also four foul balls on top of that. So, that's so they weren't out they weren't three. on three right that he's just he's just getting strikes. They're not in play. He could continue to just get strike one, strike two, strike three, endless with curveballs. It's Really exciting. Uh, it's close to a money pitch this year. 43% O swing, uh, 41.5% zone rate and 13.3% whiff rate, 5.1 PVAL. Uh, it's, it's, it's the curveball
0: for Zimmerman is certainly a money pitch in the last couple starts. Definitely. <laughs> it's a Bitcoin in the last couple right. starts.
1: Right. And um, also, even more so, so I keep going halves, right? I go like, okay, five, first five starts versus the last six. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go of those six, the last three. He's now reduced his fastball to under 40% in those last three. Even lower than the 45% across the entire season. And that's, of course, as he's risen the, the rates on his slider and his curveball. And it's working. Mm. Uh I I have to mention, of course, when I do talk about this with Jordan Zimmerman in the last six games. Yes, it's a 1-2-2 array. Yes, it's a .7 whip. But the teams he faced, eh, not so good. The Rays, not, not great. The Royals, the Chai Sox, the, uh, the, the A's, the J's, and the Rangers. These are not... Premier offenses. At the same time, we're talking about Jordan. Zimmerman. It's Jordan
0: Zimmerman. And yeah, you got to give credit where it's due.
1: Against like bottom half teams, that's that's a lot more than we expected from Jordan Zimmerman. So this is intriguing. By the to way, me. I think there might well, be something here. But yeah, yeah keep, keep I going. need
0: I need to update these numbers. But I've got a little uh, spreadsheet that I've got here with uh, verse righty, versus lefty, and I got a little little formula I whipped up where I take their season. Uh, this is uh, in. Um I think it's WRC Plus. Let me see. It is. It's WRC Plus season last 30, last 14. Now it hasn't been updated in about 10 days, so I apologize for that. But two top 10 teams against righties, Toronto and Oakland. So a be- little bit better than I thought. I yeah. I-, I thought that was a-, a very weak schedule. But uh the other two teams that you mentioned there, or there there were three other teams, including Texas. Texas kind of mid-pack, uh White Sox and Royals, complete garbage. Exactly. However, those are divisional teams, and if we're seeing that he's going to be playing them during the summer, right. George Zimmerman. Let me take a quick look at how often Tigers have played those two clubs uh, to get an idea what they might be playing the rest of the season. Nine against the White Sox, so that's half. They'll have the other nine, and ten against the Royals, so about half as well. So he's going to get probably if the if the schedule falls for Zimmerman, hopefully a couple starts against both right. uh, the rest of the rest of the season, and then you still have Minnesota, Cleveland. Obviously, that you, you got to be careful with them, but. Really impressed with diving into these two breakers, the slider and changeup, or excuse me, the slider and curveball and what they've done for them. You know, one thing that was uh just kind of an interesting novelty when you're talking about the pitch types, 51% against Oakland slider usage. Oh yeah. 51%. That's so great. I love it. I love it. You know what the best part of it is too? Because like I just knew anecdotally that it was the two breakers that were doing well because I've been watching Jordan Zimmerman. But obviously when I came to do my research, I go to fangraphs and you know how it has the last five articles that, mm-hmm. that, uh, guys have the second most recent one that he was involved in that he was tagged in was by Eno. And it says, it's time oh, yeah. for a pitcher to throw 80% breaking balls. And I'm like, that's so funny, dude. Like yep. he, he, he kind of had it. Uh, obviously, you know, Zimmerman's not throwing it to that level yet. But maybe we'll get a game this year where he's just like, you know what, I got about twenty percent fastballs right, in because it's good. not it's
1: I mean it's not that. a good pitch at all. But I mean, to you know, just to talk about that slide for a second, that is a legit money pitch. Forty five percent O swing, forty seven percent zone rate with a seventeen and a half percent whiff rate.
0: So, and it was great last it was just year. Too. So good.
1: Yeah, no, um, it, it was, it was yeah,
0: successful last year, but he had nothing else to go with right. it. So it was like, who cares for Zimmerman?
1: Exactly. And it's also the second-highest whiffery he's had on the slider in his career.
0: Wow. So even better than his Washington days for the most part, except for maybe one start, like you said, or one season. Um, All right, so he gets at Tampa Bay next. Uh, That's his only start next week going into the break. Let me try to – I'll just give you an idea of the schedule early in the second half for the Tigers because we won't be able to perfectly map it out. If he gets one of the first three starts, it will be against Boston. Maybe they can do us a favor and, uh, put him (laughs) in that second series at KC. But, uh, my guess is he'll probably line up for that that Boston start. So, uh, but that's where we're at with Zimmerman. I I think, I think 12 teamers, someone should at least be having him on as a a team streamer, meaning you go from reserve to starter. 10 teamer.
1: I would would not. It's too small a sample. I,
0: I just, I just doubt you need to. That's all. Right. Yeah. Like, I just doubt anyone. The only case I could really make would be an extenuating one where you guys have like unlimited DLs. So it almost plays an unlimited DL league, plays like a super deep league at that point. Sure. And then you're, then I could say for 10 team or for Zimmerman. But for now, it's 12 and above. Uh, AL only, obviously, is, is where his best value is. But uh, keep an eye on this because with these two breakers, it's nice. I would still sit him against Boston 100%.
1: Oh, 100%. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's George Zimmerman. Let's talk about uh, a, a former Tiger, Annibal Sanchez, and you know his descent really, really hurt me. Just because I I really enjoyed when Annibal Sanchez was a Tiger, I, I really liked watching him. And the craziest thing about it, Nick, was he completely went away from what made him successful. Like the the one thing that was like his signature, then became the the Scarlet Letter for him, and it was home runs. Sure. In 2013 through 14, the, those two seasons when he was really good, 257 ERA, 343 ERA, really good whips both of those years, one great strikeout rate in 2013. He led baseball in home runs per nine. Um, I don't have the – I think it was uh, a 0. 0.42 or whatever, but it was 0. 0.45 and 0. 0.29 uh in those two years. He led baseball. The last three years coming into this season, he had a 1.8 – Homer per nine, terrible. Last year was two point two two. Yes, two point two two in one hundred and five innings. Not not some like (laughs) you know five start sample here. Yeah. Um. So that's I was like, dang, dude, you went from being the best home run suppressor, and you know there was some good luck behind it too. Uh, You know everything was working in his favor, plus some good luck. But even with regression, you would have never put him to league worst, and he went from the very best to the very worst. This year, keeping the ball in the yard a little bit more, 1.06, we'll round it 1-1. Uh, but a lot of things are working for him, again, getting some strikeouts. He, too, also getting away from fastballs in favor of cutters, which is a type of fastball, but it's different. It's distinct. It's saying, forget my my garbage four-seamer. Let me get to the cutter. Um, he has a 170 average against, which is fifth best among the 51 arms who've thrown at least 150. Now, a lot of those are um relievers as well, but he also has a 30% strikeout rate on the cutter. He's still maintaining a strong splitter as well. Uh, it's classified as a change up. It, it's a splitter to it's me.
1: Split change.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a split change. It, it was his money pitch when want to call it. when he was really good too for Annabelle Sanchez. So he's finding some success with the Braves. I am intrigued by this. Of course, injuries are still lurking. In fact, he's dealing with a little bit of a hip thing right now, so keep an eye on that. He has his lowest zone rating ever. Yeah, which it does is not me, and and so obviously he's afraid to be in the zone, uh, because his stuff is not super strong. This one I'm a little bit more uh, intrigued by in terms of I don't see the obvious success of it. Like it, it, it the cutter has been successful, but I'm curious on Annabelle Sanchez what you're seeing, uh, especially as far as sustainability goes. Because sure. right now I'm a little bit side-eyeing
1: it yeah i mean i would favor Zerman's approach change as more of a significant one that would make me latch on i i've watched some Annabelle sanchez and i have to say i'm very impressed with this cutter i it is it's doing like we've talked about this before it's doing a little bit of the Colin McHugh thing where it's catching the top of the zone with the cutter and it's not you know traditionally when you think about a cutter from a right-hander you think it's going to go inside of lefties or away from righties. Yep. And he has, you did do that last season in 2017. That's how he used it. And what happened? It was a negative 6.3 P. Uh, don't do that. It yeah. gave like a billion so, home runs. Right. So he stopped doing it. He actually, like, if you look at the heat maps, it's not, it's not there anymore. It's either top of the zone or he actually keeps it really, uh, does a really good job with right handers staying away down away. And actually something I saw in the, uh, the star on, I believe it was last night. Uh, against yeah, this afternoon. Yeah, at Milwaukee. Against, yep. He he had two straight strikeouts against Eric Thames and Christian Yelich. Uh, um <laughs> Shouts to Eno. <laughs> um on the outside corner, strike three, just absolutely stunned. Paint. Uh, unbelievably placed. It was it was perfect. And, and those are both lefties, by the way, for those. Not right. Sorry, yeah. So he's, going, right he's going That's a righty left. Down and away.
0: Down and away. Great strikeouts. I mean, they
1: have they have the box in the Milwaukee broadcast and it splits the dot uh, in both of them. So I, I really do like that he has faith in this cutter. Uh, stealing strikes at the top of the zone, too, to right handers. He we actually went both sides of the plate with it, too. Um, and the splitter is still an effective pitch. It's still, you know, it still gets a lot of whiffs. It's at 18% right now for the season with nearly 47% O swing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is a low zone rate, thirty five point sorry, thirty three point five. But it's not that's not what he's trying to do with it, and that's great. So if he's if he has a pitch that he's confident throwing strikes with, that's the that's the cutter about fifty three percent zone yeah. rate. Then he pairs that with a splitter, and I can see success. I can it makes sense to me. He has got a game beat so badly. Fastballs, yeah, that's still not very good. Uh, yeah,
0: career low thirty nine percent usage. So again, good. he's really exactly. filtering that's, it over to the cutters. We don't fine. want it. right, but even more in the cutter if you ask me. And I, in fact. Watching that start yesterday, uh, the one against at Milwaukee for Sanchez, I feel like some of the ones that they were classifying as fastballs were cutters personally. Sure, yeah. So I, I could make a case that he might be closer to. Th- 35, 32% fastball usage, and then you put those extra five percentage points in the cutter. I think it's more of a 25% uh, usage on the season probably. And and yesterday it was 30% or 29, I believe, to be exact on the cutter usage for for Anibal Sanchez. So I think if we continue to see more of that that's going to be helpful. Like I said there's a little bit of a hip thing right now that's got a little red cross by his name so you always got to monitor Sanchez for injuries. That's been kind of his deal throughout his career really. In fact his shoulder was savaged early in um when they were still Florida to a point where some thought that it was going to ruin his career, and obviously right. it hasn't. He's put up 10 years since that point um, and been pretty good. I love that he's kind of having a rebirth here.
1: The the one problem that I do see though is that the splitter kind of goes in and out. It's often what happens with splitters. Uh, it's part of the reason why I generally don't chase guys that favor it because it's it's one of the biggest field pitches, if not the biggest. And it can be uh, a home run machine. It explains right, it why up he's been. Yes. And if you look at Danny Salazar as a good example about a pitch that you see and you go, why this, why, how, how does he let up anything with this? It's so nasty. Well, then Tanaka. all of a sudden he lets it up. Right. Well, Tanaka's one of the best at it.
0: Of course. And but when it's working, you're but like, like, most
1: consistently, like not getting beat. He does obviously at times, but yeah, but right. I would say as far as I'm thinking of splitters in the game consistency, it is Tanaka the most part. But anyway, so last night, uh, for, for Sanchez, he threw 14. And he had one whiff and one called strike. And that's, you know, especially with that productive start, you know, it's good to see that he can get through it without that. Mm -hmm. But it does give me a little hesitation. It's like, oh, man, he was just one kind of like if he was shaky on his cutter or his fastball at all yesterday, that could have been really bad really quickly.
0: Especially against a good Milwaukee
1: team. Right. But it wasn't. So I have to give him credit for that. He survived. Uh, Absolutely. He does have. So gung-ho because of it.
0: Exactly. And he does have, you know, the 23 percent strikeout rate, but it's it, his swinging strike rates the same. It's nine it's percent. So, you know, we're not seeing some surge there that really backs it. I would I would I would tab him if I'm doing projections for the rest of the year is more of a 20 percent strikeout sort of guy for Annabelle Sanchez. Sure. It's really going to be key to kind of keep the ball in the yard. He has a one ninety seven average against. Now, I do think part of that is I believe um, this is helping all their pitchers on the Braves. They have a good defense. Uh really like their infield defense with uh, Albies, Swanson, and Camargo at third. And then they have some good outfield defense, but specifically with Ender and Ciarte in center. Uh, Marquette is a pretty good guy, too. I, did, I don't know what his range is like these days at his age, but uh, usually a, a, an above an average or above uh, outfielder. So there's good fielding that's helping all their guys, but he's not maintaining a 197 average Anibal Sanchez, is it? Right. But of course, we're not expecting him to maintain a 272 ERA. What kind of projection would you put on Anibal Sanchez for the rest of the well, year? Well, this
1: is the thing that we really haven't mentioned, which is his a ball so far. And it is a 232 BABIP with an 81.5% left on base rates and also the 24% soft contact rate and 26% hard. So it's not like just, he's making a lot of mistakes here.
0: Yeah, and, and that's nice.
1: Yes. So even if you say, you know what, let's just agree with all the re- uh, regressions it is about a four sierra and a 388 fip okay which is i would even take that that's fine yeah um, i really would at the same time i can't just say okay if he regressed to how he's pitched this far that's what to expect after right this is the whole thing i have about the tiara which is yeah this guy was really bad before but he'll turn it around right away well there is a reverse yes of uh, someone the who's bottom really well but it, yeah that's the vargas rule right and uh, I wouldn't say that's this exactly, but I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't think he would be either nope. if he just pitches a four or five the rest of the way.
0: Especially if you start seeing the ball leave the yard again, too. Right. I think that's kind of your key indicator. You start seeing some multi home run games because as that that Babbitt and, and thus the average go up, which they will, he's not going to allow right. a 197 for the year. The solo shots turn into two, three-run homers, and so that's that's kind of the key there, and that's why I'm a little wavier on Annibal versus Zimmerman. Yeah, I do think you can keep going with it right now. I think it's pretty similar. Twelve-team, I understand somebody should probably have him on their team somewhere right now with the way he's pitching, but you're being cautious and you and you're not starting him blindly. Um, Ten-teamer, I, I, there should be better.
1: Yeah, Washington I would not up. be. Shouldn't gonna go have to that.
0: have him. Gets Arizona to close the, the break, yeah, um, and then comes back at Washington, um, for a three game set. He probably won't get one of those first three starts. So I'm gonna imagine that's Fulty, Newcomb, and um, Tayron. Te- yeah, I would yeah, think Tayron. Okay. I mean, they that that's still one of their guys. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that they should, but <laughs> hey, I'm you've come that far. Probably, you've come. You've gone very far, Spore. And listen. When I loved Tehran, he was good. Okay? No, I
1: know. I'm, I am I. am not giving you anything for that. I understand completely.
0: But uh, yeah, so it'll probably be those three. So you can avoid that. Then he'll get uh, one of those at Miami. It's a two-game set Monday, Tuesday. Then you can use Sanchez again. So I probably pass this week. And 10, if you did have him in a 10 or a 12, you could probably cut him if you really needed to and then pick him back up after the right. break. I doubt anyone's going to rush out and steal your Anibal Sanchez. And if they do... So freaking be it. Dude, but he's been right. pitching well. We wanted to highlight another fantasy zombie. Yep. All right, let's move on to Ulise Chassin. And again, he doesn't quite qualify to the level of those two because they were nothing last year. Zimmerman and Sanchez, they were actively hurting you. You could not use them in any league format. Chassin, you could maneuver the home road, even though it didn't make sense. He had a 179 at home and a 653 on the road, despite near equal skills. It was very bizarre. Um, so I didn't even really feel confident trusting it. I just It was so weird. It was yeah, so weird. It was a
1: very odd season.
0: We included him this year because he's actually been uh, more stable. You can actually have some f- confidence. Plus, he's on a good team too, so even some of his mediocre outings, you might be s- stealing a win, uh, which is always nice. He's 7-3 uh, with a 363 ERA, 129 whip. The strikeout walk ratio are not going to blow you away. 19 and, and 10% respectively. It was 20 and 9% last year, but did tick up the uh, the swinging strike rate a little bit. It's been interesting because it's not something that – nothing in the profile is going to jump out and you'll be like, yeah, this is this is cool. I'm going to jump on this because it's really kind of a sinker-slider approach. But what are you seeing from Shustin that's allowed him to, to have some consistency to be kind of a solid uh, back-end streamer type I of mean, guy?
1: It's legitimately that he's allowed one home run on 633 sliders. There it is,
0: folks. It's a point it's a <laughs> that's, that's, sixty-one homer per nine this year because that slide piece is not allowing anything. It's
1: stupid. It, it's a point zero five four ISO
0: thus far. I'm just uh, imagining. I don't even know if he was pitching during any of them. But, like, Keon Broxton has some of these great catches, these home run robbing. I'm just like, those have <laughs> to be off of Christine's sliders just because, yeah, right? like, <laughs> to get that lucky. Because, like, you can be pitching well, but it's there's still a measure of luck. To that. And I don't say that to like denigrate. Him. I'm just trying to be real about it. One homer on his slider this year. Over 600.
1: Banana. And, you know, he's throwing it nearly 40% of the time. And mm. he still is K, rate. You would think like with that many sliders, you'd have a good strikeout rate. No, it's 19%. His walk rate is 10%. So his homer per nine is 0.61 with a 6.5% homer per five ball. That just is not going to stick. And when you're dealing with a 363 ERA and you know there is going to be regression. That turns into, what, a 420 or so? Let's say, let's just be nice about it. I thought, you know, that, that's a major shift. And he has a 1.29 whip, which is just going to get worse. I, I just don't see... Okay, I have a thing on the site. uh Shasin will do well when you least expect it. Because which I like. it, It's just... Like, I don't really think that he's ever really going to do well. Maybe he'll do well tonight. You know, that, that's just kind of how I feel about Shasin. I'm Not with someone you. I want to go within a 12-teamer. I I, I think this is going to be a tough second half. I mean... It's All NL different. only. Yeah. NL only, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's
0: you know, it's, it's it's NL only right now for me. I I I totally see it that way. Now he does get. Um, you, you mentioned. Is he supposed to throw tonight? Uh
1: no, no. He threw on no. the fifth. So Yeah, we got was... we got a we got
0: a two start coming up here according to the schedule at Miami at Pittsburgh. Might be a good two start to go into the break with though.
1: I'm okay at the same time. This is a guy that allowed eight home runs to sorry, eight runs to the Cardinals, four to the Phillies, five to the Mets, uh, four to the Reds. It's yeah. a risky one. Four to at the least Padres. He... I don't understand. You just don't know
0: when he's gonna do well. Those are the two best parks you can get in the NL though, right? At Miami, at Pittsburgh?
1: Sure. No. Yeah. That that's a good and point.
0: One yeah. god awful lineup. So you can you know start the week off hopefully with the good one at Miami and then give yourself some cushion going into the break on Sunday at Pittsburgh with Justine.
1: No. No question. It is a good discount option. Uh, I am yes. actually surprised. I think he's owning over forty percent of leagues though. You know. Wow. I have not. That's got to be a good team.
0: A good team boost. That's what that is. That's <laughs> a good team boost. When when teams, first place teams, first second place teams. They'll have some of their back, and guys get picked up because people do chase wins.
1: It's thirty-five percent, to be fair.
0: Okay, uh, but, but I, that's I know still that higher I haven't. Than I, would have
1: I haven't featured them in any of the uh, the thirty percent or under articles on purpose because because how
0: can you feel super confident about it? Right? It, again, there's there's a more there's this tells you how uh, little confidence I had in it last year because we're still expressing some hesitation this year. But at least it, it's there's some consistency in terms of he's been solid home and road. It's just kind of that it's solid blandness. It's Toby as hell. Well, it's actually might be <laughs> a little bit lower than Toby. Explain what a Toby is, by the but way. But Toby That's is someone better. that
1: you keep around uh, your lineup. Like he's rosterable and a twelve teamer that you're not excited about at any point. But he gets his work done and because you don't really like him around the office because he's like Toby
0: from The Office. From That's the office. such a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, if you watch The Office, you know Toby was just so hated. He was actually good at his job, but it's just like, he's such a pain
1: in the ass. You have to keep him around. You have, you have to
0: don't want him to. might be bordering on, on, yeah. on Toby. He's like a 15-team Toby. I mean, he's a cherry
1: bomb, really. Honestly. I mean, he's not because, even
0: like... Oh, yeah, because he does...
1: I mean, he will... Normally normally a cherry bomb also comes with a great strikeout performance and he you know 7.18 K per 9 isn't really that.
0: Yeah, sevens are max for him this year. He does have a, he does have three sevens in his last six starts Justine does. But uh in that in that same six start stretch is the is the St. Louis blowup. Right. Um so which is giving him a 4.11 ERA despite uh four of those starts being zero to two runs. So that kind of tells you what one bad start can do on a six-start sample. But the bottom line here is he was featured last because he's the lowest of our confidence, uh, which kind of speaks well or, or speaks something for Zimmerman and Sanchez. Um, I would rather have both of them. But Shasin again, you're chasing wins. Uh, you're having to make moves. Everyone's situation is different. We talk a lot of, you know, kind of ideal situations. Some of y'all are, are ravaged by injuries, and you're just looking – for the little floaty in the uh, in the ocean right now, Shasin could be your floaty for for this particular week. Sure, yeah. I mean, of, uh, the three guys start. that we
1: just mentioned, I would rank them as we did it, uh, just because they're all guys that are very close to the waiver wire. Hmm? I, I think I, I called that a panda back in the day. I was like WWF as waiver wire fodder, so it's a panda. Okay, I, I, I like I like the <laughs> the the link to it. And I'll it was also say, it was also <laughs> pa- Pablo Sandoval. All right, whatever. But I no. thought it was
0: something about how, like, pandas are, like, aren't they an endangered species and you're, no, like, that's, that's they're endangering your it. ERA or something. But I was <laughs> trying to wonder where you were going to go with
1: <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I, so I would call these guys all that in a way because they pretty much are not – they're not Toby's to me, really. Uh, and the, the gap between them and, you know, being Waverire fodder is so close yeah. So I would be chasing, obviously, the highest upside of the group, and Zimmerman is the one that is most promising in the current moment. He's so that's why games. I would go after him. And, of course, Sanchez, obviously, we expect some regression, but he's just performing better than Chasine,
0: And he's on uh, a great team, too.
1: Exactly. Yeah, good point.
0: That that does help.
1: And then there's um, Chassin, of course.
0: And then there's Chasine, yeah. also on a good team, <laughs> but not uh not maximizing necessarily to the same level that that sanchez is these are guys that you have to keep an eye on right and if you want to play the wire and and be somebody who's maneuvering it requires legwork but just stay diligent and uh hopefully these guys don't burn you too much so there's three fantasy zombies we want to cover uh for this week's fireside chat nick great talking with you It's always i think we're gonna be off next week because you're going to cape cod right i
1: could do it come on oh I'll make look, it look at you man
0: my guy's going to Cape Cod, to which, by the way, cool. That sounds awesome <laughs> uh, for some family for some family time. And you're going to fit in. Listen, I'm I'm going to leave it open in case you can't. Okay, I'm just saying if if something comes up and you can't, we'll get it we'll we'll get it handled a different way. But uh, I guess we're on schedule because Nick's a beast. So going to do it. Come on, I'll talk to you in a week, Nick.
1: Yeah, I'll see you then.
0: What an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league. Well, look no further and download squad QL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download squad QL for free for your Apple and Android devices. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all in one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL